0: You are listening to the Dr. Michelle Corral Show. It is our prayer that as you listen to these podcasts, that you will receive your deliverance, breakthrough, anointing, and highest destiny. Our prayer is that your love for Jesus Christ be first in your life above all things. Now, here's Dr. Corral. Mm -hmm.
1: We're looking at Ezra chapter 1, and we're looking at the Word. Let's read it together in concert. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord might be fulfilled by Jeremiah. Hallelujah. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout his kingdom and put it in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia. The Lord God of heaven has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he's charged me to build a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Turn around to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you'll never you'll never guess. It might be the most unsuspecting person that's going to fulfill your dream. Say this with me. Don't limit God because God could surprise you of uh, who He's going to use to rebuild your dream. Somebody ought to put give God the praise and give God the glory and you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And before we get into the theological aspects of the scripture tonight I want you to all, to to see the the uh, the word of the living God coming to us. For thus says Cyrus, the king of Persia, God has has commanded me to build a house for Him that is in Jerusalem. You know the most unlikely person on the planet, the the enemy king that had the children of Israel now under captivity. All of a sudden, through a sudden move of God, has now, through the fulfillment of the word of the prophet Jeremiah, going to be used by God to do the most unlikely thing. I'm here today to tell you the word of the Lord, that there are many of you here that are about to get a breakthrough, but your breakthrough is going to come through a source. You are not expecting that breakthrough to come through. And somebody ought to give God the praise and say, it's going to come from a source I'm not even expecting. Come on, let's release that into the atmosphere tonight. God's going to release that anointing right into you tonight. Amen. Tonight as we look at the Ezra anointing and we understand the whole book of Ezra is is all about taking back the territory and repossessing the promises of God, taking repossession of the promises that God has given you in your life. We need to understand that the entire book Of Ezra is a fulfillment of the prophecy of the prophet Jeremiah. Everything God promised Israel through the prophet Jeremiah, we are going to see fulfilled in the book of Ezra. So I want you to understand that when the scripture says, and we're looking at the text, that the word of the Lord in verse 1 might be fulfilled through the prophet Jeremiah, hallelujah, it is not only the 70-year captivity that the scripture concerns itself with. We need to understand that there were many, many uh, allusions in the book of Uh, the prophet Jeremiah that we're going to see the fulfillment factor and the book of Ezra is actually a fulfillment of the promise that God is going to bring restoration after devastation in your life. Put your hands up right now and say, Father God, I give you praise tonight that this book of Ezra is the fulfillment of the prophecies made by the prophet Jeremiah that tonight you are going to bring me restoration after all the devastation in my life hallelujah the promise that god gave to cancel the captivity of Israel's bondage. And I want you to look now at some of the promises that God gave to Israel at a time when they were the most rebellious, the most disobedient. God came through with promises at the time of the destruction, just before their temple was destroyed. Before destruction, God promised reconstruction of everything that he was allowing to be taken in Their lives. Jeremiah chapter 29, I want you to look at verse 10. The scripture says, Thus says the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you. Put your hands up right now and say, Father God, I want to give you praise that the book of Ezra is a book of the performance of prophecies and tonight I give you praise God that I'm stepping into a time zone where you're gonna perform your good word toward me put your hands up right now and say father God I receive the fulfillment of the words of the prophet Jeremiah that God you are going to fulfill your good word toward me tell your neighbor his word to me is good Now watch this, Jeremiah 29.10, and I want you to see the continuity in the context. Jeremiah 29.10, thus says the Lord that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. Say this with me, return. Now we're going to look at Jeremiah 30, verse 3, and we're going to see the continuity in the context continuing concerning the theme, return. Say with me, return. return. Jeremiah 30, verse 3, and the scripture says, and I will bring the captivity of my people, and I will cause them to return to the land. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 10. We saw Jeremiah 29, 10. He said, I will cause you to return. Jeremiah 30, verse 3 says, I will cause them to return to the land. Jeremiah 30, verse 10 again says, I will save you from afar and cause Jacob shall return and be in rest from the land of his captivity. Say this with me. God is promising return back into the land. I'm going somewhere with this. Jeremiah 31, verse 8 says, a great company shall return. Jeremiah 32 44 says, for I will cause their captivity to return. Jeremiah 3311 says I will cause their captivity to return Jeremiah 33 26 says I will cause their captivity to return and to the land as it was at the first put your hands up right now and say God is promising that I'm gonna return that his anointing is going to return hallelujah I'm going somewhere with this Jeremiah 27 18 says, but if they be prophets, let the word of the Lord be with them. And now make intercession to the Lord that the vessels that are left in the house of the Lord go not unto Babylon. Verse 21 says, for thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the vessels that remain in the house of the Lord and in the house of the king of Judah and Jerusalem. Verse 22, they will be carried to Babylon and they will be there till the day that I visit them. And then I will bring them up. And restore them to this place, beloved. We have seen in Jeremiah twenty seven twenty two the promise of return. We have seen in Jeremiah twenty nine ten the promise of return. Jeremiah thirty verse three the promise of return. Jeremiah thirty verse ten the promise of return. Jeremiah thirty one verse eight the promise of return. Jeremiah thirty three eleven the promise of return. Jeremiah 33 26 the promise of return Jeremiah 33 verse 14 the promise of return God's about to bring you back into your land God's about to cause you to repossess the prophecies and the promises that the enemy has stolen from you and somebody ought to say amen. amen. Somebody ought to shout here tonight. Now we're going to understand the overall meaning of the word return. We all know that it's the word shuv, and always the word return is always cognizant with repentance or doing repentance. But we need to understand the use of the word return in the Hebrew Scriptures, and particularly so that you can understand the word return, so that you can understand its it's many uses in the Old Testament or Hebrew scriptures so that we understand when he says in Jeremiah 29, 10, I will cause you to return. Jeremiah 30, verse 10, and you will return. Jeremiah 31, 8, and a great company will return. Jeremiah 32, 44, I will cause them to return from their captivity. Jeremiah 33, 11, I will cause their captivity to return, and so on. That you understand the meaning of what it means to return. First of all, we need to understand that in a Hebrew sense of scripture, in the Hebrew language, the word return is translated not just to return, but it's translated restore over 223 times in the Hebrew Scriptures. So when God says, I'm going to cause you to return, he is speaking of restoration. He's going to restore some things back into your life. You need to turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, tonight I'm about to repossess the promises of God. God's about to cause me to come back into what he has promised me. Supernatural restoration after all the days devastation in my life so we are seeing beloved saints of God return is used 223 times in the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament I hate to call it the Old Testament. Uh, Its proper terminology is not Old Testament. It's Hebrew Scriptures. But for the sake of those who don't know what I mean when I say Hebrew Scriptures, in case you think I'm just causing some other testament that is not in the Bible, when we refer to the Hebrew Scriptures, we're referring to the Old Testament. And we need to understand that 223 times the word return is translated into the vernacular language as restored. Then we look at return. The the word return is also translated from Hebrew into English as the word reverse. So God is saying to you, I'm not only going to restore you back. I'm going to reverse some things in your life. Somebody ought to give God the praise because God's about to bring some divine reversals in your life. Some of you have been praying and praying and saying, God, I don't think I can do this anymore. But I'm here today to tell you that you're coming into a season of the Ezra anointing. The Ezra anointing is the time when the words of the prophet Jeremiah are fulfilled. Somebody ought to give God the praise. Return means to reverse. And this word return is used in uh several times in the hebrew text but three times in the hebrew scriptures the word return is translated into the word reverse put your hands up right now and say god i want to praise you because 223 times you have spoken in your word in the hebrew scriptures that you're going to restore some things back into my life and so lord tonight Based on your word, I received the restoration after devastation for all the bondages in my life. And God, tonight I praise you that three times the word return is translated the word reverse. I thank you that tonight you're going to reverse the curse. I give you praise for breakthrough and reversals. In Jesus' name, we break the power of every stronghold and we command it to go into reverse in the name of Jesus hallelujah now we need to also look beloved Saints at the scripture return is also translated recover so we see return translated as restore we see return translated in English, from Hebrew to English, as reverse. And now we also see that five different times in the Hebrew scriptures, the word return has been translated into the word recover. Five different passages in the Hebrew Scriptures use that word where we put in English return, but the actual Hebrew word is the word recover. So we need to understand that God is telling you you're going to recover, things are going to be reversed, and God's going to restore through that wonderful, powerful Ezra anointing in your life. The word return also means to bring back again, to bring something back again something that was taken away to bring it back. I believe there are some of you here tonight, there's been some things that have been taken away from your life and God's about to bring it back. I believe some of you are gonna receive your prayer life back. I believe many of you that are watching tonight by television. You're gonna receive the anointing back into your life. I believe that many of you that are listening today and in this very room. That you came here tonight for a miracle. And God is telling you He's gonna give you your health back. God is telling you He's gonna give you your dream back. God is telling you He's gonna give you your vision back. God is telling you He's gonna give you your prayer hair life back. God's going to give you your anointing back. Somebody ought to praise God because we see this word. Hallelujah. And we understand that the Israel anointing is the fulfillment of the words of the prophet Jeremiah. So everything we see being rebuilt, everything we see that goes through reconstruction after destruction is the fulfillment of the words of the prophet Jeremiah. That your name is saying, no wonder the devil tried to kill him. He didn't want him to prophesy, You're gonna come back to the land. He didn't want those words to come out of his mouth that I'm gonna cause you to return after 70 years. Hallelujah. And so we understand that the word return, hallelujah, that we have seen so many multiple times in the book of the prophet Jeremiah that the word also means to return, means to bring back and 54 different uses in the Hebrew scripture of that word shuv or that word to return means to bring back. So that means God's going to bring some things back into your life that you need to know things that have been taken away, just like those vessels he promised and he prophesied. And he said, just as these vessels have been taken out by King Nebuchadnezzar, they're going to be brought back in the day when I visit you. I want you to know that the day that the Lord visits us is during the day. Days of those miraculous moments with destiny in the Hebrew scriptures. And even that, dear people of God, was prophesied by the prophet Jeremiah. I want you to see it. Look at the word with me in Jeremiah 27, and we're looking at verse 18, and we're going to see the fulfillment because he said, the vessels are going to come back in the day when I visit you. We need to understand that the generic understanding in the Hebrew scriptures of God's visitation always comes during the time of those miraculous moments with destiny, when the Hebrew feasts are, are arrive, when those days of destiny, hallelujah, arrive, when the divine providence moves on our behalf, that it's not coincidence, but that it's Providence, And we're going to understand that even in the seventh month when the temple began to be rebuilt, it was Rosh Hashanah on the day that the temple was dedicated, the day that God said, when I visit you again, they're going to be returned. Somebody ought to say, God, I'm getting ready for my miraculous moment with destiny during the Hebrew feast. Come on and give God praise. what he says, but if they be prophets verse 18 let the word of the Lord be with them now and let them make intercession to the Lord of hosts that the vessels that are left in this house would not and the left in the house of the king of Judah would not go into Babylon we need to understand the difference between the two captivities captivity in Egypt and the bondage in Egypt was a physical captivity it was one of backbreaking bondage. It was one of of tremendous sorrow and suffering and 400 years of hard bondage. But the Babylonian captivity was by nature completely different than the Egyptian bondage. We need to understand that the Babylonian captivity was more of a spiritual captivity than it was just a physical captivity. Because the emphasis in the Babylonian captivity is the vessels that were taken out of the house of God and brought to Babylon. We need to understand that when those vessels were returned, as the prophet Jeremiah prophesied, during the season, during the time of the of the great. Uh, miraculous moments with destiny during the seasons of Rosh Hashanah, during the times of Yom Kippur, during the times when God's power and his providence moves in the earth. We need to understand that as they were returned, there were millions and millions of dollars worth today that we we could evaluate those vessels that were taken out and brought into bondage. We need to understand that during Solomon's reign, that Even in his house, they didn't even use silver cups for natural drinking. That even golden cups. There was more gold in Solomon's kingdom than anywhere in the earth. Or anywhere in human history. We need to understand the tens of millions of dollars worth of vessels that were brought to Babylon representing ministry, representing your faith that is tried by fire, representing the visions God's given you, representing the calling of God on your life that was brought out but God has promised you're gonna take back those treasures. Somebody ought to give God the praise. Touch your say it's time to repossess my prophetic word. So this is why the Bible says in verse 21 and 22 of Jeremiah 27, Yea, thus saith the Lord of hosts concerning the vessels that remain in the house and the Lord's house, they shall be carried to Babylon and there they shall be until the day that I visit them, saith the Lord. Then I will bring them up and restore them to this place. So for a king to relinquish the millions of dollars of vessels that was confiscated to be able to bring them into a place of being liberated. You and I have to understand that that is a miracle because the word of the prophet Jeremiah spoke it. And I want to say to you that whatever God says in his word, hallelujah, cannot be reversed. Somebody needs to give God the praise. No matter how impossible it may seem, God is gonna bring his word to pass. Somebody ought to give God the praise. before we go to the next the the next power principle and we certainly have seen here tonight that the first power principle hallelujah that we are looking at in in taking back the ter- the, the territory and walking in that power of God we need to understand that there are patterns of power that wherever there is des- desolation God always promises restoration say this with me patterns of power that wherever God Wherever there is desolation, God always promises restoration. Now we need to understand that Jeremiah was uniquely part of the, t- the prophets of the end times. When we call end times, we're not talking about times of the end in the terms of apocalypse. Well, we're talking about the end of the era of the prophets in the time of Israel. There are actually two distinct categories for prophets in Israel. There are the early prophets who were known as the Rishonim. The Rishonim never pronounced judgment on the nation. The Rishonim were known for miracles, such as Elisha or such as Elijah. These were among the Rishonim. The Rishonim were those who spoke into the lives of kings, and they were known through the signs, wonders, and miracles. And the Rishonim saw their vision not so much by hearing the word of the Lord, but by seeing the word of the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 9, that in those days, the prophet, he who was now called the Navi, or a prophet, was then called a seer. So we need to understand that what we call in Hebrew, nevuah. The, the gift of prophecy or that prophetic movement was always in that, in the early prophets, in the Rishonim, in a different manner. But in the latter prophets, the latter prophets, who are they? Isaiah. Who are they? Jeremiah. Who are they? The azar The azar belongs to that group of what we call in the western world the minor prophets, but what we call in a Hebrew sense of scripture the, the azar They're not minor by any means, but they're smaller prophecies because Nebuah as we know during that time was lifting because of the sin. So the more the sin and the, the more disobedience and away from God, the smaller the prophecies became. But it does not mean that they were lesser prophets. It just means that their messages were were not as abundant and full as Jeremiah and as Isaiah. But these Akronim, these latter prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Treazar, we need to understand that they all had certain uh, commonalities in the context. We find out that they all were speaking to Israel, warning Israel, Two to Israel, the rest to the land of Judah, Amos and Hosea only to Israel, the rest of the prophets only to Judah and Jerusalem. We need to understand that the commonalities in the context are, you're going to be uprooted out of the land, the glory of God is going to live, you will be taken into captivity. But we need to also understand the commonalities in the context, through every one of the prophets and every one of the Akronim, though they are prophesying desolation, God's heart is not desolation, God's heart is restoration. And we need to understand that they revealed the heart of God, that in every instance where desolation is prophesied, God promised restoration. Somebody ought to say it. destiny I don't deserve. Look, if you will, at Ezekiel chapter 34, I want you to see it, Ezekiel also belonging to the Akhranim in the end, at the very end of Israel's history, before they became a nation again in 1948. Ezekiel chapter 34, looking at verse 27, we need to see And the tree of the field shall yield her fruit, and the earth shall yield her increase, and they shall be safe in their land. He is speaking a word of restoration after all the desolation and devastation, after the temple was destroyed, after they were taken up and uprooted out of their land. God is still promising the prophetic promises that he's going to perform. And if he didn't, then he'll do it again. Somebody ought to say, I serve a God. Who's a God of restoration? And he says, Hallelujah, middle of verse 27 and I am the Lord, and when they have broken the bands of their yoke, and I have delivered them out of the hands of them who serve themselves of them, they shall no more be a prey to the heathen. Last line in verse 28 says, but they shall dwell safely, and none shall make them afraid. I want you to know that the real word of the Akronim is that God's going to bring you back. God's going to cause you to repossess the prophetic word that you once had. God's going to cause you to repossess word word that God has spoken for you. You need to give God the praise because God's word is not desolation. God's word is restoration. The second power principle that we need to see in the Ezra anointing. And remember, we are now looking at the Ezra anointing in the context of the fulfillment of the book of Ezra and everything that we see unfolding in terms of rebuilding the temple and retaking back the territory, the reconquest of Canaan. Say it with me, the reconquest of Canaan. Taking back the territory. Say this with me, after 70 years of being uprooted out of the land, taking back the territory, rebuilding the temple, bringing back the vessels, living in the land again, the reestablishment of of the state of Israel as, as Judah alone. Somebody needs to give God the praise because God has promised it. Now, I'm here today to tell you that this second power principle is God's guarantee that you're going to get it back. There are some of you right now that say, Dr. Corral, I read all those those promises in the book of Jeremiah. Dr. Corral, I can see with my own eyes when I read the book of Ezra that yes, they came back, and yes, God touched Cyrus. And yes, God can touch the most unlikely person that I would never dream of to be the instrument to bring back the blessing into my life. And yes, Lord, someone that I was never expecting that you're going to touch to open a door of destiny on my behalf So I'm going to get the limits off God and stop getting angry at people that I think are supposed to open the doors for me. And understand that God is sovereign and that God can do it any way he wants to do it, but he's going to do it. Somebody ought to give God the praise and the glory. Then he's going to return it all back to you. But this second power principle, dear people of God, is the most important principle. And this second power principle is the principle of blood evidence. I'm going somewhere with this. Blood evidence, say it with me blood evidence. Blood evidence is the return of your loss through the power of the cross. Say it with me blood evidence, the return of my loss through the power of the cross i'm here today to give you some blood evidence that you're going to get it back hallelujah there is blood evidence in the scripture that proves that you're going to take it back after the attack there is blood evidence prophetic prefigurings of the cross of jesus christ that we will understand that israel was able to take it back not based on their works not based on their righteousness but based on the fact that God, that, that God promised Israel that he would send his only begotten son. And when there is a miraculous memorial, a supernatural symbol of Calvary, God looks at that Calvary connection and He says, I know my son is going to go to the cross in the year, hallelujah, of 2,000 years ago. And we need to understand that as He went to the cross, before He went to the cross, every miracle that was performed in return and recovery was based on the fact that God already took the yes of Jesus a prepayment! Touch your neighbor and say, prepayment. What does that mean? Have you ever been to a car lot? Didn't pay for the whole car? But sometimes when your credit is real good, you don't even have to put a down payment. They'll just say, okay, just take the car and pay it later. I want you to know that the word of the Son of God before the foundations of the world, when God created this world, You and I need to understand that there's a supernatural sign of salvation in all of creation. We need to understand that God created this world with mercy in mind. He already knew man was going to fall, but that's why on the third day, the first thing that came up from the earth was a tree, and it happened on the third day. It was a supernatural symbol of the cross and the resurrection. Somebody ought to give God the praise. Hallelujah touch your neighbor and say blood evidence blood evidence is the return of my loss through the power of the cross that means that every miracle of return, recovery, deliverance that Israel ever received happened because there's a Calvary connection somewhere that God looked down from heaven and said i see the blood and it's a miraculous memorial that hundreds of years later my son is going to go to a cross and shed his precious blood so based on the word of my son based on my foreknowledge that i know he's going to go to calvary i can release israel out of the captivity of the egyptians because there's blood evidence Catch your neighbor and say blood evidence. Let's talk for a moment about blood evidence. 1994, the world was stunned (laughs) over a glove. Everybody was pinned to their TV because of blood evidence. They all wanted to know, was their hero guilty or not Guilty. Blood evidence. In a personal prophetic sense of scripture, blood evidence is the strongest type of forensic evidence. Blood evidence is the strongest type of forensic evidence that provides for us the necessary documentation to solve a case. So if you have blood evidence, the case is solved. You don't have to worry because it's already been there. Blood evidence provides what is called DNA fingerprinting. And in that blood evidence and in that DNA fingerprinting, I'm going somewhere with this, it's almost always considered conclusive. So that means that you go and you do the DNA blood evidence, there is a certain DNA fingerprinting that will conclude whether the person that is a suspect is guilty or not guilty. I'm going somewhere with this. DNA fingerprinting is very strong blood evidence. But I have another type of printing that is stronger than DNA printing. I'm calling it palm printing. The printing of the palms of the Son of God. That is the strongest DNA evidence, hallelujah. Not the DNA fingerprinting blood evidence, a trail of blood evidence when you are looking on the scene of a crime the investigator crime scene investigator you're gonna go look for traces of blood evidence touch your neighbor and say there's been traces of blood evidence from Genesis all the way to Revelation somebody ought to give God the praise that the blood evidence is already found in the Word of God it's the return of your loss through the power of the cross somebody ought to say the return of my loss through the power of the cross somebody ought to give God the praise for the return of everything the devil's ever stolen from you for all of the vessels that are innumerable that were taken into Babylon your joy, for your hope, for your praise, for your worship, for your ministry, for your dream, for your family, hallelujah, for your vision, for your ministry, for your anointing. It's all getting ready to be returned. Somebody up to give God the praise. Throughout the scripture. There is our trails and traces of blood evidence that proves the return of your loss through the power of the cross. God has already given his guarantee through blood evidence that you're going to get it back. He's already given his guarantee through the prophetic prefigurings and typologies that we see throughout the Hebrew scriptures that when we look and glimpse into the Hebrew scriptures, we are seeing blood evidence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Ezra anointing is based on the fulfillment of the words of the prophet Jeremiah because Return to my promise. I'm gonna return to my prophecy. Somebody ought to give God the praise. Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 32. <laughs> Jeremiah's in the prison. Oh, we've been put in the prison so many times. He's now been lowered into a dungeon, and now he's put in another prison. And he has to give the word of the Lord in the prison. Hallelujah. And the Bible tells us, Jeremiah chapter 32, that God tells him to do something. It doesn't make much sense. Verse 7 says, Behold, Hanamiel at Sholem, your uncle, shall say unto you, By the field that is at Anatot, by right of redemption, you shall buy it. And remember, Anatol was the city. It was, a, it was a strip of land where the priests lived. It was the Levitical city that was given by Moses. Remember, Moses and Joshua allotted all of the te- territories in Israel according to their families and according to the faith by which they possessed it. God didn't ever want any of those territories and lands to be taken out of the family in honor of those who warred with the word to get those territories. They were precious to God in his sight. And so now we understand that the word of the Lord is coming to Jeremiah, and the Lord's telling Jeremiah, your uncle's going to come, and he's going to offer you a piece of land to redeem because of your inheritance. So Hanamiel, verse 8, my uncle came to me, hallelujah, in the prison. And came to me, hallelujah, according to the word of the Lord. And said unto me, buy my field, I pray thee, that is in Anatot, in the country of Benjamin. For thine and the redemption is thine, buy it for thyself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. So I bought the field of Hananiel, my uncle's son, that was at Anatot. And I weighed him the money. 17 shekels of silver. I'm going somewhere with this. 17 is the supernatural symbol or the significant symbol of atonement. We need to understand that wherever we see 10 and 7, It is a prophetic parallel of the atonement, and it represents, it's a prophetic prefiguring of the work of the blood of Jesus. We need to understand that God said in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 27, in the 10th day of the seventh month, you shall have a day of atonement. This was a day when everything became reconciled, and in the 50th year of Jubilee, there was a return, there was a restoration on the day of atonement that every man returned back to his land and every piece of property had to return back to its original owner. So we need to understand that 10 and 7 are the symbols, hallelujah, of the blood. Touch your neighbor and say 10 and 7 is a prophetic prefiguring of the work of the atonement in my life. I'm going somewhere with this. Say blood evidence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so I subscribed, hallelujah, uh, the, the scripture goes on and says, I weighed him the money, even 17 shekels of silver. So we need to understand, dear people of God, uh, first of all, we see in the 17, the significant symbol of atonement, and we find that prophetically paralleled all throughout the Hebrew scriptures, but particularly 10 and 7 in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 27 And then we're also going to understand that the silver, hallelujah, represents the silver by which the son of God was sold with. Matthew 26 verse 15 always tells us he had to be sold with silver because in the Hebrew scriptures, silver is a prophetic prefiguring of the atonement of their souls. So you need to understand The Bible says in Matthew 26, 15, And said unto them, What will you give me? What will you deliver him if I deliver him unto you? And they covenanted with him 30 pieces of silver. So now we understand that the prophet Jeremiah is going to purchase this property for 17 shekels of silver. But I want you to understand what this means. Verse 11, so I took the evidence of purchase. Touch your neighbor and say blood evidence. I took the evidence of purchase that was sealed according to the law and the custom. Verse 12, and I gave the evidence of purchase. Say this with me, the blood. It's blood evidence that there's already been a purchase. God has already purchased it. Verse 12 says the last line, And in the presence of witnesses, I subscribed the book of purchase before all the Jews in the court of the prison. Now, here we go. Here we go. Touch your neighbor and say, here we go. God's guarantee that God is going to return my loss through the power of the cross. Here we go. Verse 14, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, take these evidences the evidence of purchase both which is sealed and the evidence that is open and put it in an earthen vessel and that it may continue many days for thus says the lord god of israel houses and fields and vineyards shall again be possessed in this land god was telling them through the purchasing of just that small land in Anatot. that when they were taken out, God said, I have to have some kind of evidence that's going to guarantee that Israel, when they're taken out to Babylon, are going to come. till he was done obeying God. God just said, your uncle's going to come, and you're going to sign a contract, and you're going to purchase his land by right of redemption. And as soon as he did that, he knew God was doing something, but he didn't know what yet. He paid 17 shekels of silver, atonement. Touch your neighbor and say, blood evidence. That the, that the property was purchased. Yeah. He wrote it in a book, touch your neighbor, say the word. The
0: word. It's
1: already written it's already in, the word. in the word. Before it happened, it was already recorded that I'm gonna get it back. It was already recorded, blood evidence that I'm taking back the territory, blood evidence. what God has already written in his word. Somebody ought to say it's already mine. by blood evidence. Jeremiah still doesn't know what's happening. He's in the prison. He's just obeying God. So he takes his 17 shekels of silver and he purchases it. His uncle writes it in the book, in the public witness. Well, Jeremiah's in that little cage. Signs it off. Jeremiah says, all right, more witnesses. So according to the custom of Israel, it's written in the book, and there's eyewitnesses that this piece of property has now been redeemed and it's now going to become Jeremiah's in in the year of redemption. But then the Lord said to Jeremiah, now you're going to prophesy. You did what I told you to do. Now you're going to prophesy. And you are going to say to Israel, You're going to hold up this evidence. You're going to hold up the written word that you just signed. You're going to hold up the contracts. You're going to put them in a nursing vessel. And you're going to prophesy with this contract. And you're going to say, thus says the Lord, houses will be possessed again. Thus says the Lord, lands will be possessed again. Thus says the Lord, vineyards will be possessed again. Thus says the Lord, territories will be taken again. God's already. your name and say I rest my case I'm not gonna question I already know blood evidence has been presented say this with me right now I present blood evidence to every demonic spirit that's telling me I'm not gonna take it back again Presenting blood evidence to the doctor's report. I'm already presenting blood evidence to my property. I'm already presenting the blood evidence to every promise God has given me. I'm presenting blood evidence to the lying spirits that say I'm not going to take it back again. I'm presenting blood evidence that God's word cannot return back to Him, boy. I'm presenting blood evidence that I'm taking back my house. I'm taking back my family. I'm taking back my territory. I'm taking back my children. I'm taking back my health. I'm taking back my word. I'm taking back my prophecy. I'm taking back my promise because blood evidence has been presented. Somebody ought to praise God right now. We're almost done, but I got to conclude it. Got to conclude it because the devil is a liar. You, You got to understand why the devil tried to kill Jeremiah why he put him in in prison so many times and why nobody would believe him and why he was set up with false prophets prophesying right alongside him the complete opposite of the word that God was giving him. The word that he was given was not an easy word. It was a difficult word. I want you to know that oftentimes when God gives you a word, it's not easy. But even though there may be initial desolation, might be a hard time you're going through. God's real will is restoration. He always presents it to you to bring you to chuba, to bring you to repent, to bring you to the place that he can give you back double for your shame. Somebody ought to say I'm ready to receive double for my shame tonight. Hallelujah. We saw in the beginning of the book of Ezra that the word of the prophet Jeremiah might be fulfilled so that whoever would read about the return back after 70 years would know that it's Everything on this, in this book is a fulfillment of what Jeremiah spoke, not just the 70 years, but everything that he prophesied. We went through details of return, the meaning of return, the meaning of restore, the meaning of recovery, the meaning of restoration in the word of God. But I also want you to know that there was a time when they began to obey the word of the Lord, that they began to be resisted. And we need to understand that there was a strong opposition from enemies in the land so that they could rebuild the promises and rebuild the temple like God had promised them. I'm here today to tell you that the initial conquest of Canaan was one fight, but the reconquest of Canaan to take back territory was a much longer, much stronger battle. Joshua was able to initially conquest Canaan. The conquest of Canaan only took place for seven years. It was easy. It was a physical conquest. He was able through the power of God to drive out the nations and bring down the strongholds. And in a seven-year period, he was able to conquer the seven nations. But the reconquest of Canaan is a much longer, much stronger fight. And the fight was not one of flesh and blood. You don't see all of the persons on the expedition and all of the immigration, uh, the immigration uh, teams and flows that came in from Babylon on Immigration 1 and Immigration 2 and Immigration 3 and all of those who were in the expedition to resettle again in the land of Israel. You don't see them fighting with swords and you don't see them using weapons of war. But what you do see going on is spiritual warfare. What you do see going on is the warfare of words. I'm going somewhere with this because if Jeremiah had not spoken the word of the Lord and been so strong, the warfare of words would have wore them out and wore them down and deceived them out of their destiny they would have listened to all the wrong voices and made all the wrong choices but I'm here today to tell you hallelujah that they overcame the warfare of words through the word of the Lord that came through the prophets they broke the decree and they disannulled the decree here's what the word says And we're ending here, and we'll pick it up again next week. Ezra chapter 4, verse 24 says, Then ceased the work of the house of the Lord, which is at Jerusalem. Hallelujah. So it ceased until the second year of the reign of Darius the king. So we understand that this third power principle in the Ezra anointing is the power of the prophetic word that's going to decree your destiny. Because they had to stop accusations were made. Word curses were spoken out. An accusation and a force from the king and political forces made them stop because words were being spoken and there was so much resistance. But when there's a lot of resistance, you need to learn how to stand firm in your insistence on what God has said. Bible tells us in Israel, chapter 5, verse 1, then the prophets Haggai and the prophet Zechariah, the son of Edu, prophesied unto the Jews that were at Jerusalem and were with them. Hallelujah. And the scripture says in the last line of verse 2, and they began to build the house of God, which is at Jerusalem, the prophets of God, helping them. I want you to know that the prophets of God did not pick up a shovel or mortar or brick, but they began prophesying the word of the Lord and stirring up again the words that God gave to the prophet Jeremiah, saying, yes, it is God's time. It is God's will. It is God's time to go and go against those words that have been spoken, those words that are out to destroy your destiny. You need to overcome the resistance with continual persistence and belief in the word of the living God. Hallelujah. no the decree through the prophetic word that is given to you. The Bible says in Ezra chapter 5, hallelujah, in Ezra chapter 6, the Bible says, and the elders of the Jews build it. And they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Edu. And they builded the house and finished it according to the commandment of the Lord, according to the word of the prophet Jeremiah. Somebody ought to give God praise. Stand at your feet today.
0: Thank you for joining us today. It is our prayer that this word broke bondages and will open doors for you. If you have never received Jesus Christ, as the Lord of your life, invite him now to be your Lord and Savior and best friend. Repeat this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. Wash me clean from all my sins. I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you soon.